قال الإمام النووي حديث ثلاثون عن أبي ثعلبة الخشاني جرثوم بن ناشر رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن الله تعالى فرض فرائض فلا تضيعوها وحد حدودا فلا تعتدوها وحرم أشياء فلا تنتهك تنتهكوها وسكت عن أشياء رحمة لكم غير نسيان فلا تبحثوا عنها حديث حسن رواه الدارقطني وغيره بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد حديث نمبر ثاتي of the Arba'una al-Nawawiyya. In this hadith, reported by Tha'laba, he says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama said, Inna allaha farada, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things fard. Or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things compulsory. There is what we call fard and what we call wajib. And I need your attention here. Obviously, if you asked what is wajib, you would say it's something that is compulsory. And if I ask you what is fard, you still say it is something that is compulsory. Then what is the difference between fard and wajib? Or are they the same? It's like asking what is the difference between compulsory and obligatory. There might be a difference or there might be no difference. Imam Ahmad rahimahullah says what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory in the Quran is considered fard. For example, Allah made salah fard in the Quran. Allah said, salata." So salah is what? Fard. And Allah said, zakata," And give zakat. So zakat is fard. Then there are certain things which have been made obligatory by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam commanded that we should do something, it becomes obligatory, but we don't call it fard. We call it wajib. But in terms of weight and effectiveness, they are the same. The only difference is that one is made obligatory through the Quran, and the other is made obligatory through the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but they are both compulsory in the same manner. So what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said is compulsory is just the same as what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made compulsory. Yet what Allah made compulsory is called fard, and what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam made compulsory is called wajib. 
Is the explanation of Imam Ahmad clear? Who would give me an example of wajib? By the explanation of Imam Ahmad, can we cite an example of something which we may consider as wajib? Naam. Keeping the beard. Correct. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, keep your beard. So according to Imam Ahmad, this becomes a wajib and not a farth. But in effectiveness, it's just as effective as what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made wajib, rather what Allah has made compulsory in the Quran. What is different is the terminology because one is made compulsory through the Quran and the other made compulsory through the sunnah. Why? Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith, Ala ma harram Allah mithlu ma harrama Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Is it not that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made haram is the same as what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has made haram? So what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam proclaims as haram is just like what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala proclaims as haram. And what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam makes wajib is the same as what Allah makes wajib. The only difference being what is made compulsory by the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is called wajib and what is made compulsory by Allah is called fard. This is the explanation of Imam Ahmad. I move on to the explanation of Imam Abu Hanifa. Abu Hanifa says, Fard and Wajib do not have the same strength. Fard is stronger than Wajib. Wajib is made Wajib through the Sunnah of Rasulullah while Fard is made Fard through the Quran. And yet the strength is not the same. Are his words the same as the words of Ahmad? No. What, what is the difference? What, what, what's the difference between the words of Abu Hanifa and the words of Ahmad? Strength. strength only. So the difference is only in terms of strength. Abu Hanifa concurs. He agrees that wajib is what the Messenger وسلم, has made compulsory. And farad is what Allah has made compulsory through the Quran. Yet the strength is not the same. Ahmad says the strength is the same. So according to Abu Hanifa, Farad is much stronger than Wajib. That's why the Hanafiya call the Witr Wajib. Witr, the Witr after Salatul Isha, they call it Witr Wajib. Not Witr Farad. Because Farad is for the Salawat, the uh, five Salahs a day. Those are Farad. Witr is wajib because the Messenger وسلم, used to pray it all the time and he commanded people to pray witr. So it's wajib and its strength is not the same as the strength of farth. A person who misses duhr and one who misses witr, are they the same? They're not the same. Because according to Abu Hanifa, wajib is less stronger than they're both paid. Sorry? They're, they're both, you should pay them back. Exactly. The Messenger used to pay back with them. Yes. yes. To make qadha of witr. You miss witr, you make qadha of the, the witr, which shows what strength witr has. 
Nowadays, people have the tendency of just, just brushing it aside. Swala is four rakats, and after that, the wit is. Are we together? You paid, but what's the time frame? Sorry? No, there's no time frame. You can pay the next day. Even the following day, if you missed it. Mm -hmm. So, based on that, then it, it goes to Ahmadis. Abu, Abu Hanifa, Abu Hanifa does, not, does not say people should pay. <coughs> yeah, based on the practice of the Prophet. Exactly, exactly. Based on the practice of the Prophet, it means if we have to pay it back, then it's more like the explanation of Imam Ahmad, Ahsant, Barakalafik. Then the remaining scholars, and this is the correct opinion, the opinion of the majority of the scholars is that there is no difference between wajib and farad. They're the same. What is different is just, just the terminology. Salah is farad, and salah is wajib. Fasting is farad, and fasting is wajib. Are we together? According to the majority of the scholars, it's just the phrase, it's just the terminology, otherwise there is no difference. So in this hadith, inna allaha farada fara'id. Allah made farad some fara'id. This would include the wajibat also. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes something compulsory, and the Messenger وسلم, enforces it and confirms it as compulsory. We cannot create, you know, some kind of difference between what the Messenger وسلم, commands and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands, because the Messenger وسلم, is simply an enforcer of what has already been commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not like the two are different. He that obeys the Messenger Allah is obeying only Allah. So the Messenger is simply an enforcer. Are we together? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala farada faraid fala tudayi'uha. Do not neglect them. What you know as farad. Salah, zakat, everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said is farad. And the Messenger sallallahu said is farad or wajib, whatever terminology you choose. Fala tudayi'uha, do not neglect them. You have to perform them. It's compulsory. This is where Islam becomes different from religions such as uh, Christianity, if you've observed. For the Christians, to sin is to do something that you are forbidden. That is to sin in Christianity. If you ask any Christian, what is to sin? They will tell you, when you sin, you do something that you are forbidden to do. That is sin. In Islam, to sin is not simply to do something you are forbidden to do. To sin is also to fail to do something you are told to do. In Christianity, if you don't pray, you haven't sinned. If a Christian doesn't pray, he has not sinned. It's not, it's not a sin. He only sins when he does something he is told not to do. So not to pray is, is not a sin in, in Christianity. But in Islam, if you don't pray, you have sinned. Not to give to charity is not sinful in, in Christianity. To give is a good thing, but if you don't give, it's not sinful. 
But a Muslim who forgoes uh, uh, zakat, isn't that a sin? It's a sin. So, فَلَا تُضَيِّعُوهَا These things which Allah made compulsory, do not neglect them. You ask a Christian, say, what things has Allah made compulsory on you? You ask them, what's compulsory in their religion? There's nothing that's compulsory in their religion. Praying is optional. Going to church is optional. Giving is optional. Fasting is optional. A Christian can choose either to fast or not fast. There's nothing compulsory in their religion. Or maybe you know something that's compulsory in, in Christianity. Visiting Jerusalem is not compulsory. It's optional. You can go to Jerusalem or not go. You can fast or not fast. When you have a problem, you go to the mountain. You spend a day there fasting and prayer. Then you come back and that's, that's it. When someone feels it's necessary for the whole nation to fast, he just tells them fast today. Those who want fast and those who don't want uh, do not fast. Nothing is compulsory. But Islam is different. Islam has made certain things compulsory. If you don't do them, it means you've neglected them. Don't neglect them, the things which are compulsory. And he created hudud. I want to explain this word. Had. When used in Arabic, had does not mean one thing. It means a number of things. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used it in different ways in the Quran. For example, Allah says, Tilka hududullah. These are the hudud of Allah. Fala Do not transgress them. Don't go over them. So if Allah says these are the hudud of Allah, do not go over them, then what is the meaning of hudud in this verse? I disagree. This after Allah has, has spoken about certain things which, which uh, uh, he forbade or certain things which he permitted, then he says these are the boundaries, uh, these are the boundaries of Allah. These, these things I've been talking about are the boundaries. So in this case, what is the meaning of hudud? Yes. Yeah. In this case, hudud are the, the rules. In this case, hudud in this ayah are the rules. Do not transgress them. Meaning, don't go outside these rules. Hudud in this case means the rules. For example, after yusuikumullahu fi awladikum, Allah gives you a, a, a wasiyah concerning your children in the ayah of inheritance. After explaining the whole inheritance, what does, uh, what does he say? Tilka hududullah. These are the boundaries? No, in this case, it means these are the rules. Yeah, don't, don't leave them. These are the rules of Allah. Then, sometimes he says, Tilka hududullah. Or he simply says, وَتِلْكَ حُدُودُ اللَّهِ يُبَيِّنُهَا لِقَوْمٍ يَعْلَمُونَ And these are the hudud of Allah. He makes them clear to people who know. He doesn't say, don't, don't transgress them. He simply says, these are the hudud. And Allah makes them clear. Is, is that a boundary? The, these are the boundaries which Allah makes clear. 
These, these are the rules. In this case, had means what? Rules. Then there are times when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to hudud. And by hudud, he means muharramat. Something which is haram. And whoever is going to come to the boundaries of Allah, as you put them, in this case, the muharramat. Whoever is going to come to the haram, those are the unjust people. So we have two meanings of had. Had may mean the rules. The rules of halal, this is what Allah has permitted. Or had may mean these are the haram things. Do not come to them. And in this hadith, if you listen to the hadith carefully, and Allah put hudud, don't come near them. What is the meaning of hudud in this hadith? Haram. You understand? In the first place, he mentions wajib. Then he mentions hudud, meaning certain things I've told you to do. And then the hudud are the things which I told you not to do. Had also means punishment in, in Arabic language. Had sahir, the had of, uh, uh, of a witch or a wizard, darbuhu safe. He must be hit with a sword. He must be killed with a sword. This is had. Rasulullah at one time had to administer punishment to a certain woman uh, from the tribe. I forgot the name of the tribe. But her name was Fatima. She was brought to the Messenger Muhammad وسلم, and she, she used to steal. Not really, not stealing in the literal sense. She would get people's things and then deny that she had got them. For example, she goes, she borrows a pot. Then she keeps it in the house. Three days later, you ask her about the pot. She says she brought it back. She takes something else. You ask her about it. She says she brought it back. You know, she, she used yes. to steal like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah like, yeah, like yesterday. That's true. So she had a house full of property, other people's property. But that's Sereka. It's stealing, isn't it? So when she was caught, she was brought to the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the punishment is a hand has to be, to be cut off. The hand had to be amputated. But the problem was she was from uh, a noble tribe, a respectable tribe. And it would be a shame on the tribe if one of them has the, the, the hand amputated. And everyone was afraid of talking to the Messenger وسلم, about it. They thought, well, uh, maybe Rasul might be angry with us if we try to, uh, uh, to intercede on her behalf. So they said, who do we send? They said, send Usama the son of Zaid, the most beloved person to the Messenger Rasulullah loved Zaid like his son. Remember, he adopted him as his son. Usama was the son of Zaid. So Usama was like a grandchild to the Messenger Someone beloved to the Messenger They said, send Usama. So Usama went there, Rasulullah Rasulullah he loved him. Then he says, Ya Rasulullah, you know, this lady is from a noble tribe and people are saying if you amputate her hand, you know, it will be a shame to the tribe and so on. I came to intercede on her behalf. And the face of the Messenger, sallallahu changed. He became very, very angry with Osama. 
He said, Atashfa' fi haddin min hududillah. Are you here to intercede concerning a had of the hudud of Allah? I just want the word had, meaning a punishment. This is Allah's punishment. You, you cannot talk to me. It's what Allah instituted. He says, Wallahi, I swear by Allah, law anna Fatima bint Muhammad sarakat, if Fatima, the daughter of Muhammad, stole, meaning my own daughter, Fatima, if she were to steal, I was going to cut her hand myself. Because this is a had. So in this hadith, had means what? Punishment. Who can quickly tell me the three meanings of had in, in Arabic language? One, punishment. Two, haram. Three, rules. Rules. And finally, in language, had is also a boundary. But as used in this hadith, it means what? Haram. Wahadda hududan, meaning he put some haram. Fala tantahikuha. Do not, do not go to them. Do not go to the haram. And haram is very, very little compared to the halal. After the other. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yeah, so I was saying, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things compulsory. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made certain things haram and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not expect us to come close to the, to the haram. Um, when you look at haram and halal, there is very little haram and a lot of halal. For example, in terms of food, what food is forbidden? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةَ he only forbade you to eat al-mayta, something which dies on its own. Wad-dam and blood. Walahm al-khinzir and pork. Wama uhilla bihi lighayrillah. And what has been slaughtered in any other name apart from the name of Allah. How many things have I counted? Just four things, right? Then in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةَ وَالْدَّمَ وَلَحْمَ الْخِنْزِيرِ وَمَا أُهِلَّ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ بِهِ I already counted those. وَالْمُنْخَنِقَ وَالْمَوْقُوذَ وَالنَّطِيحَةُ وَمَا أَكَلَ السَّبْعُ إِلَّا مَا ذَكَيْتُمْ وَمَا ذُبِحَ عَلَى النُّصُبِ وَأَن تَسْتَقْسِمُوا بِالْأَزْلَامِ He speaks about something which falls from a height. It falls and then dies on its own. Something that has been um, strangled to death and other such types of meat. So when you look at the haram, it's, it's a very small number of things. The halal is, is a lot. So if we remove the haram, maita, something that's been strangled, uh, pork, uh, blood, what is remaining to eat? There's a lot. Not so. There's a lot. For example, in terms of what animals should not be eaten, we exclude uh, uh, the pig, akramakumullah, we exclude all animals that eat other animals, uh, 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 animals of, of prey. We exclude them, carnivals. We, we don't eat them. What is remaining? There are so many uh, uh, other animals that we can eat. We can't even count them. Is it possible to count halal? Is it possible to write a book, a, a book that encompasses halal? Say, these are the things which Allah made halal, and you write a book about it. Is it possible? But is it possible to write a book about haram? The things which Allah made haram, 
Very possible, because the haram is very little. The halal is, is so much. Then why should someone leave all the halal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them and even go for the little haram that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made as uh, uh, an exception? Everything Allah made halal for you. The goat is halal, the sheep is halal, cows, buffalo, whatever, all those animals, you don't want them. You just want to go and eat a pig. The one animal Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, don't eat, it's an aggression, isn't it? He made certain things haram, therefore do not, do not come near them. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them what? Made them haram. When it comes to nikah, marriage, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ أُمَّهَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ وَعَمَّاتُكُمْ وَخَالَاتُكُمْ وَبَنَاتُ الْأَخْ وَبَنَاتُ الْأُخْتِ وَأُمَّهَاتُكُمُ اللَّاتِ أَرْضَعْنَكُمْ وَأَخَوَاتُكُمْ مِنَ الرَّضَاعَةِ وَأُمَّهَاتُ نِسَائِكُمْ وَرَبَائِبُكُمُ اللَّاتِ فِي حُجُورِكُمْ مِنْ نِسَائِكُمُ اللَّاتِ دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنَّ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَكُونُوا دَخَلْتُمْ بِهِنَّ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَحَلَائِلُ أَبْنَائِكُمُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ أَصْلَابِكُمْ وَأَنْ تَجْمَعُوا بَيْنَ الْأُخْتَيْنِ Allah uh, uh, makes haram about 12 to 13 categories of women that we cannot marry. How many women are there in the world? Three women that you can marry in the world. How many are there in the, in the world? And then you leave, you leave what is halal and you only want what, what is haram. The little that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made haram is what you're looking for. <coughs> In terms of drinks, how many drinks has Allah made halal for us? But no, only the chibuku which Allah made haram is uh, 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 the one you go for. There's so many, so many things you can drink which Allah made halal. So in this hadith, وَحَرَّمَ أَشْيَاءً and he made certain things haram. Ashia'an means just a number of things. Do not come to this haram. This is a repetition actually in the hadith. Because he speaks about hudud, the hudud are muharramat. And then he says, وَحَرَّمَ أَشْيَاءً And he made certain things haram. This is a repetition of the muharramat just to emphasize the point. Are we together? Then he says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَسَكَتَ And Allah kept quiet. Wasakata, Allah kept quiet about some things. Rahmatam lakum. As a mercy for you, ghayranisiyan, not because he forgot. There are certain things Allah didn't speak about. He just left them like that in order to have mercy on you. He didn't forget. Allah doesn't forget. Allah's knowledge is not preceded by ignorance. And there is no forgetfulness after his knowledge. Allah has always been knowledgeable. For a person who is knowledgeable, it means he was ignorant at some point, right? Everyone who is knowledgeable was ignorant at some point. Is anyone born with ilm? Someone is born and unless these fake stories that we, 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 we hear, those, those stories, don't believe them. Those, those are fake stories. This boy was just born and he was already reading Quran and he knew, there's nothing like that. Even Rasulullah was not born like that. Rasulullah was born reciting the Quran. He had to be taught by Allah at a certain point. Sanukriuka fala tansa. We're going to teach you and you will not forget. No one is born with ilm. Say, no, this boy is a miracle. He was just born, he knew Suratul Baqarah and he knew Surat whatever, Surat whatever. That's that's not true. Everyone's knowledge is preceded by what? By ignorance. 
And after the knowledge, there is forgetfulness. But Allah never forgets. So when he doesn't mention something, it doesn't mean Allah forgot it. He didn't forget it. Don't start looking for them, looking for things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't mention. That's why Rasulullah was angry with that man who asked him about, about Hajj. Rasulullah said, Allah has made Hajj compulsory for you, so you must go for Hajj. He said, Ya Rasulullah, every year. Rasulullah ignored him and he repeats, Ya Rasulullah, are we supposed to go every year? Rasulullah was angry with him. Don't ask something Allah hasn't said. I told you, you must go for Hajj. Simple. And he said, if I said yes, it was going to become compulsory every year going for, for Hajj. Was that going to be easy? That was going to be very difficult. Every year, Hajj. Every year, Hajj. That was going to be difficult. So Allah kept quiet about certain things. When we say keep quiet, in this case, we, we don't mean keeping quiet like not talking. Allah's description, the way he described himself is that he speaks. Allah speaks. He speaks the way he wants, anytime he wants. To keep quiet is not one of Allah's descriptions. We don't describe Allah by what he has not described himself with. Is there an ayah in the Quran that describes Allah as the quiet one? A verse which describes Allah as the one who keeps quiet. Is, is there a verse? So if Allah doesn't describe himself as keeping quiet, we don't describe him with that. But what is the meaning of sakata? He kept quiet in this, in this verse, uh, I mean in this hadith. It doesn't mean keeping quiet. It means not mentioning something. A person may continue talking, but then he chooses to keep quiet about something. Since I started talking, have I kept quiet? I haven't. I've been talking continuously, but I've kept quiet about some things. Meaning, I didn't mention those things. That doesn't mean I stopped talking. I didn't stop talking. Keeping quiet about something doesn't mean you stop talking. It means you don't mention those things. For example, you say, Fulan wrote a book. And in his book, he mentioned many things which are haram, and he kept quiet about riba. What is the meaning of he kept quiet? It means he stopped talking. Not so. No, it doesn't mean that. It means he didn't mention that particular thing. So the hadith, wasakata an ashia, and he kept quiet about some things, means he didn't mention them. Don't look for them. I don't want someone to say, ah, therefore, Allah didn't mention cigarettes in the Quran, so, so let's, uh, 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 let's not ask about them. Some people think like that. So you see, Sheikh, you're the one who said, the things which Allah didn't mention in the Quran, we should not look for them. So Allah himself chose to keep quiet about cigarettes. Why, why are we conducting a research on cigarettes? When we say something which Allah kept quiet about, it means something which is outside the door of Qiyas. Qiyas means comparison. Because if that becomes the case, then we'll say, well, Allah, Allah kept quiet about whiskey. Did, did Allah speak about whiskey in the Quran? So we should also keep quiet about it. We just drink. Don't ask about the whiskey because Allah didn't mention it in the Quran. And Allah kept quiet about champagne. Right. So because Allah didn't say champagne in the Quran, let's keep quiet about it. Let's just drink. Don't conduct research into things that Allah didn't speak about. Did Allah say cocaine in the Quran? 
So since Allah didn't say cocaine in the Quran, let's just sniff. Let's not ask about it. Is that the meaning of the hadith? What is the meaning? You all said no, that's not the meaning of the hadith, Ibrahim. So what is the meaning of the hadith? Allah kept quiet about some things. He kept quiet about cocaine. So let's sniff and not ask about it. No, we shouldn't. Mm. <clears throat> because uh, he didn't mention it directly. Mm. Mentioned it indirectly. I'm lost. Okay, you can give me that answer in the next muhadara, inshallah. Allah kept quiet about certain things. And for me, I know many things that Allah kept quiet about. He kept quiet about cocaine, he kept quiet about mantras, he kept quiet about uh, 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 champagne, about whiskey. There's so many things he did mention. So, according to the hadith, let's not ask about them. Let's just drink them. Not so. You don't seem to be agreeing with me. No, we shouldn't? Yeah, then explain. I think it's, uh, to compare, it's in comparison, you have to compare that since something where... In the same way that the Sahabi compared uh, uh, Hajj with, with Salah, for example. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallahumma, bihamdi, nashadu an la ilaha illa anta, nashadu an atubu ilayk, subhanarabbi, rabbi, 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 rabb